Hi everyone, I'm Chef Jackie McMahon, co-owner of Finesse Catering. You are listening to Two Sharp Chefs, so stop and smell the roses and listen to Two Sharp Chefs. Hello, and thanks for joining us. Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone here. I'm Lorraine Moss, chef and journalist. And I'm Louis Victor, chef and professional food photographer. We started this podcast in memory of one of the best food culture ambassadors of all time, Anthony Bourdain. In his memory, we wanted to do the right thing and build a better sense of community among cooks, chefs, restaurant workers, and food lovers here in Las Vegas and worldwide. Hello, Louis. Hi. Hey, so we're talking about one of my favorite foods of all time, Thai food today. With one of the people from one of the best restaurants, I'd say, in the world, especially in America, for Thai food, Lotus Asayam, the legendary Lotus Asayam, of course, from Chef Saipin Chutama. We're going to be talking with her daughters today about their legacy. And so for pandemic provisions, we today are talking about our favorite Thai food. So, Louie, what's yours? Mine is Pad Thai. It was very interesting to actually have actual pad thai in thailand because it's it's considered they're like fast food it, over here it gets served on a plate and whatever right. whatnot over there you're wandering into like a, any street corner and there's your pad thai lady with her giant big walk and her giant like mountain <sighs> of noodles and I stuff and that. she's she's just using her like her two spatulas and just like pulling everything in the middle and then saucing it and you know it's it's the release of the aromas and the flavors yeah. and stuff like that and you know you hear like the all the foreign languages and all that so it's actually quite an experience being the streets Bangkok and like having your little plate of pad thai but uh, you know i i picked it because not a lot of people know that um it's a national dish and it was actually created to unite Thailand. Yes. It was created by Black Bibung Shangkam. Oh, God. Ooh, Hi there, Louie. <laughs> yes, I know, right? Because Play. you know that's your native language and all. Right, I know. <laughs> so he's the guy, and he um, played like a, a prominent role in military history. And he stripped Thailand's monarchy out of, out of its absolute powers. So Pad Thai was actually born to unite the whole of Thailand, you know, as a national dish. And tasting a restaurant's Pad Thai is actually a good introduction to whether yes, the restaurant agree with that. is good or not. Yes, so. it is. So Larb, I know it has kind of a funny name, but it is the most delicious thing. Um, of course, it's like ground meat. Uh, it's pretty common to have chicken, but you can do pork, beef. Those are common. And then when you get less common, like I make mine with bison. But it is ground meat with lime juice and fish sauce, which of course is used across Thai cuisine a lot. And we've got all the delicious herbs, especially mint is in there. And then they like put those beautiful Thai chilies inside. So it's got spice level that's nice and then you can have it with like either cabbage or like lettuce wraps some people have it with like the glutinous rice or the sticky rice um i love it because of its balance and honestly you could eat it every day i probably eat it at least once a month if not once every two weeks because it's like a really easy dish to prepare which i actually will put a recipe together and put it on our website because it's super easy and delicious um and inexpensive to feed your family uh the origin is kind of like muddled but the the thought is that it's from laos originally and not from 
Thailand, but that there's a huge population of people that are Laos or from Laos that are in Thailand. And so that's how it came to Thailand. Um, I'm not that familiar with food from Laos. So I always assume that it was Thai. Um, It is absolutely delicious. I always get it. I get that instead of the papaya salad, usually at restaurants. Not that I don't love papaya salad, but I kind of like a meat salad, which I know is... Mm -hmm kind of weird but i love it it's delicious it's the best yeah speaking of delicious and the best we have penny and sabrina chuchima from lotus asylum louie we are pumped today because we are talking with the next generation of the most revered most major destination thai restaurant in all of las vegas and some might say in america some might say actually in world. Of course, we're talking about the legendary Lotus of Siam, Louie, and we have the amazing Penny. We have the amazing Sabrina, the daughters of the famous Chef Saipi Chutaba. How are you ladies today? Good. Awesome. How, are How about you? you guys? Good. How are you hanging yeah. in there? Because, you know, it kind of all sucks around town and everywhere you look, but how are you holding in there? How are you making it happen? How are you keeping yourself positive? Um, we're trying to stay as positive as possible you know it's it's tough like this during this time it's actually very tough and there's a lot of things that we had to cut back on and you know we had to adjust a lot in order to be compliant to be safe and also to maintain the cleanliness and also above and beyond I mean, everything's been pretty good in a sense, Uh, having to deal with all the employees, having to deal with scheduling, ordering supplies. Obviously, as my sister said, we had to do a lot of cutbacks. And so we also had to cut back on our very large menu. As most people know, we have almost 200 something items on the menu. And now we have had to cut it back to about 100 items, which I mean, we still offer the full menu, but just to fit on a single piece of paper that we can sanitize completely as well as do other sanitization and for a QR code, you know, that's something that we had to do. Uh, Employee wise, obviously because of the whole COVID-19 ordeal employees, some are, uh, they worry obviously because they have kids like my sister, they don't know how customers are going to be luckily for our kitchen staff, which is great with us. They are 100% on board with coming back to work. They're doing diligently. They're helping us with trying to save as much money as we can, as well as help sustain everything. Yeah. Let's talk about what it means to be a destination restaurant, because a lot of people call themselves destination restaurants, but you guys actually really are a destination restaurant. I mean, we've got, of course, the late Anthony Bourdain and Jonathan Gold that went there, Ming Tsai more recently, John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. And then just like people on the street, people in the world. What's that been like for you? And are there any like kind of funny anecdotes or funny stories of people doing that um, over the years? Yeah, I mean, it's very nice that people take the time and, you know, come to see us and stuff like that. It's actually really fun too, because when if I'm on the floor or something like that and people are first timers it's it's fun for me to be able to introduce to them what our cuisine is you know like yeah we've had people who literally call us at 2 p.m landed from the airport and they're like I'm gonna be there at 2 15 on the dot please don't <laughs> close you know and we're like okay you know we'll we'll leave the spot open for you and then when they get there, sometimes they're like, I don't know what to order, but can you pick for me? <laughs> so it's just like, you know, it's fun to be able to give them an experience that other places might not be able to do. Yeah. 
Sabrina, do you ever get starstruck with all these like huge names coming in or do you even not know the difference or what do you think about it? That's actually really funny because uh, whenever we have celebrities come into the restaurant, my sister is never there or half the time she's never there. So I always get, I always get to see all the cast and crews or musicians that always come in. And at that point, it's either I know them or I don't know them. But if I don't know them, then I like try to do a little research here and there of who they are. Well, quick but, Google. <laughs> Go to the restroom real quick. Who is that? <laughs> um, but sometimes, so like, the the biggest starstruck that I ever had was when Jesse Eisenberg and Common came to the restaurant for their last shooting here for Now You See Me, the very first uh, movie. And so Mark Ruffalo was the very first person that ever came into the restaurant and he was trying out the cuisine. Then like the next night he made a reservation for the cast and crew, directors, stunt doubles, everybody. And they just filled up three rows of people. And all I could do is sit literally in the, at the bar area was just like, <laughs> just sitting there just like oh my god what's going on yeah that's crazy that's crazy um it was your mother's dream of course to bring authentic thai food to the valley what is it like for you as being the next generation carrying on the legacy like what kind of responsibility do you feel for carrying on that major legacy of your mother is there like pressure yeah on your shoulders because i you know so stressed. you just kind of need blend. yeah you need to There's kind of plenty. like just, you know, yeah. keep the institution running. Just the fact that who our mom is, what she's created, you know, the legacy that my sister and I have to build continuously onto it. And it's just like, okay, how are we going to be able to fill in this, this giant shoe that is being left for us at this point? And uh, in a sense, I'm my mom's apprentice. So like, I know most things, but she still hasn't let go of a lot of things. And that becomes, that becomes one of those, like, once you get married and you, you, you show me that you're (laughs) capable, then I'll hand it down to you kind of ordeal. That actually tied into my next question, which was like your family's restaurant, your, your recipes, they go back hundred years or something like that. So is it possible? And you know, do you know, like most of it, would you say 90%, 50%? Like, what do you think of her recipes? Uh, I, I would like to say like, maybe like 60, wow. 60%. Wow. <laughs> so she just does them by herself without you there. Like when you have to do it at the restaurant. Yeah. So she likes to leave my sister and I at the restaurant and she'll go and do sauces by herself. Uh, off, wow. off to the side or like late at night after the kitchen is closed, she'll be in there and then I'll be like doing the accounting and she's going to do something on her own in the kitchen. Completely discreet, doesn't even let us know kind of ordeal. Her memory for her recipe is always down to the tea up here. And it's wow. like, because, you know, sometimes the same lime doesn't have the same amount of citrus or acid, right. you know, so it's she, her tongue will taste everything. If something's off, she'll be able to that's why everyone's like oh you know what's the measurements i'm like what measurements <laughs> yeah right a- asian people technically don't measure what they put in yeah. their food like we if you've seen it like an old old school like filipino mom she'll be like oh how much soy sauce do you put it oh however much you need it to be for the adobo or something like that yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. like so- ours like tom yum and stuff it's like okay one tablespoon no it's like taste it first and then after that you you fix it you you add you develop the flavor basically yeah. 
I mean, that is actually the best way to do it. In all honesty, so that takes a lot of skill to standardize and like a yes. lot of skill in training your cooks. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how do yeah. you keep with that? Does your mother like show up every day? We to come always have a base. Like we'll always have the base already set up, but then uh, we always tell them because everyone has their own uh, spoon, tasting spoons. So they'll taste it. And then if it's like too acidic, too salty, we adjust for that way. Wow. But at the baseline, all, all the bases are prepped every week. Wow. She's yeah, a very she's... busy one. Yeah. It's like an assembly line, how we set it up. So yeah. we'll have the main base for the sauce, like the stir fry sauce. We'll have a curry base for like the red curry, green curry, yellow curry. So everything will already be set up. Wow. And so after that, it's, it's become your, your palate at that point. <laughs> Pretty interesting, actually. That's a nice challenge. I think I would like, right. Uh, just Penny kind of going a little bit more on that question for you personally, because you are the eldest daughter, you are kind of, you know, really the person that's in that business operation, entrepreneurial side of it. What kind of pressure is that for you? Just knowing that you're going to, this is the weight of your mom's legacy is it on you literally in the beginning, you know, like when I started, it didn't really hit me but then it's like when you you know like first generation Asians we're just like oh we just run by it you know it's like whatever my parents work but then when you grow up you kind of pay attention and you're like holy crap like yeah my parents have been doing this for a long time like I don't want it just to end with her you know so yeah we just a rare badass too like yeah (laughs) for for her like I mean she's been in here for 34 years and up until now from associate's degree and no English spoken. I mean, she's done a very good job. Yeah. And to have her legacy, how it started to how it is now, it's definitely a big weight because, you know, besides people looking at to the restaurant, you have like community bases too, like the Thai community or other communities that like either want you to fail or not fail or are there for you. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, one of those things where it's just like, should I care what people think? And, but at the end of the day, I mean, so far I've been just doing things based upon not even emotion, but based on our hearts, because it's like, okay, I have people that's been with us for 20 years. How can I take care of them? How do I provide for them enough for them to be able to provide for their families? and not have to go and find another job, you know? And yeah. prior to COVID, we definitely were maintaining, we had full health insurance for the employees. We did everything that we could, you know, like we provided them with 100% paid medical. We did the whole AFLAC thing for them. We did dental and whatever, you know, that I to see fit for the pursuit of happiness of the employees. Each of you, what's your favorite dish? You've got 200 plus. Yeah. What's your favorite each? You can pick one each. Sabrina yeah. first. I'm going to put pressure on you, Sabrina. Oh, man. Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess my favorite dish would have to be Tham Kanun, which is a Northern style dish, pounded jackfruit. Uh, naturally, we put in ground pork. There's tomatoes. There's red onions, galanga, garlic in there. So it's just mm. a nice, savory dish. Penny? Ooh, my ultimate one is the Nam Nyo, which is the 
Thai, uh, it's kind of like pork stew with vermicelli noodles. So it's almost like a Vietnamese style bun bo hoi, but no lemongrass. But this one will have like pork blood and pork ribs. And it's like my ultimate favorite, no matter what. Even in Thailand, I'll eat like four or five bowls in like one setting. We really respect uh, how your ideas and how you, your ideas about how to survive this unprecedented time. And I've seen you clap back a few times there, Penny. And I love it. I love your clap. It's loud and it's delicious. Um, What do you think, in your opinion, what do you think we need to do as a restaurant community to survive this bullshit? We should take the safety of the public and also our employees at like, to pay attention to it. Most of the time I've seen many other businesses, they just do 40, 50% and whatever the eyes can see kind of mm. cleanups and stuff like that. But during this time, it's like people think, oh, okay, you know, I can operate my business. I can do this and that. But what about the liabilities behind it? You know, if your employees get sick, what happens then? If did they catch it from your restaurant or did they catch it from your business? It's just like a whole factor where, you know, I had to kind of force my managers to take a COVID uh, training course, which did contact tracing. You know, I had to prep them. I had to change my SOPs. I had to change the whole operating thing. And, you know, the, the issue, too, that we have is because many people are not aware of this COVID. They just assume, okay, hey, CDC published this like article that, okay, hey, masks in the beginning was not efficient, but then they backtrack two weeks later says, hey, we need to wear masks. So it's like, you know, it becomes to the point where the public and business owners, they just only follow the rule rather than go outside and figure it out. Like, hey, okay, how is this country doing? Or how is this place doing? They're not using that as a, as a reference, you know, they're just only following whatever is being told. I mean, my whole SOP, I drafted that from Taiwan. You know, like I've been watching this COVID since December. And so we were actually pretty prepared. And, you know, like even then, um, I want to say like mid-January, February, I even said, hey, it seems like this, the country's going to shut down. Yeah. And people at that time were like, no, like yeah. they, they won't shut down the whole country, you know. And next thing you know, what happens? We shut down. You know, so far, a lot of our guests have been very cooperative. They've been very patient. They've been, you know, like they see that we're trying and we're not doing it in a political sense. It's just the fact that, hey, this is everybody's safety at play. Right. You know, and we did, uh, we put plexiglass on the stands and everything. We separated all the tables. I mean, you can go to some places right now and they definitely aren't doing the social distancing, you know? So it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you look at their their business structure and stuff like that, and it's like, okay, hey, as a customer, when I walk in, do I feel safe? You know, like that's my the main issue is because a lot of people, yeah, granted, our social media people will be like, hey, I mask is you know you're a puppet or something like that, but majority of the guests that come to our restaurant, they like it because they actually feel safer. Right. So. Compared to somebody that's just smoking mirrors on the internet versus to a physical being in my restaurant, it makes me feel better that, okay, hey, I'm taking the right operative to protect my guests, my employees. And to be honest, I can definitely go out and say, hey, I'm actually trying to be as safe as possible. And I've, even I feel safer at my own restaurant. 
we've actually have floor mats for our employees so that when they walk in, they what they first do is they actually wipe their feet with the Clorox dermicide. And that's pretty much the best way to sanitize outside shoes coming into the restaurant. So that's our first way of defensing from the kitchen outwards for us at least. And not to mention we have thermal cameras in the back for employees to come through. We also make sure that uh, every 30 minutes, at least in the kitchen or per area in the kitchen, they sanitize their stations. Everything is cleaned. Everything is brand new. We try to do as much as we can. I mean, it definitely took a toll on my wallet, obviously, but it was like we had to close. We just got brand new shipments and stuff like that, and we had to mm. throw away a lot of stuff, you know? And then mm. on top of it, just to bring in like the technology to protect the restaurant, to make sure that we're compliant, to make sure that we change all chemicals. I mean, it's not cheap, to be honest. And a lot of people were like, oh, you know, you have the funds to do it. I'm like, yo, man, no. It's like, I had a hundred and I had 120 employees. I paid for all their medical. 30,000 is not cheap for their medical. All right. So you guys are part of a very small club of Las Vegans who have gotten the chance to cook at the James Beard house. And we first want to know what it's like to be able to bring your family's food to the James Beard house. That's actually pretty dope. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was actually fun. And then the, the other chefs that were there, like Sarah and um, Jocelyn, they're actually really, really cool. You know, it was it was a fun experience, to be honest. Right. What is it? Sabrina, did you fangirl? Did you like fangirl um, when you got there? Not necessarily because I was actually really cold. And because it was, <laughs> you know, middle of February and not really yeah. awake early at that point. Right. We were like For rushing. Sure, right? Yeah. Like yeah. rushing to get there, making sure everything's all prepped. And I'm not a morning person, so it's like not fully awake and yeah. cold. <laughs> We were kind of iffy actually even going to New York at that time. Yeah. And so right when, probably a week before I was, I almost canceled because I was like, look, I'm pregnant and I don't feel comfortable going on a plane with people who aren't even masked. They don't even care. They don't realize that COVID exists going to New York. And then I actually think one of my staff got COVID on the way back. Oh, yeah. yeah. She was uh, sitting next to some people that apparently were coughing viciously. Next oh. to and she wasn't wearing her mask. And I told oh. her, I was like, what happened? She's like, oh, I forgot to put my mask on. It was in my backpack. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Well, other than that crappy part of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good part. I mean, what is it like? Because when I was in that kitchen, I was just like, I just kept thinking, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm here. Like just knowing the people that have walked through like Julia Child and James Beard and every top chef in the entire world. It's a big deal to cook there. And here you are like, oh my God, we're from Las Vegas. And like, we're cooking in the James Beard house in New York City. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it was actually, for us, it was a great honor to be honest. Um, You know, I wish my mom could have made it because it would have been a very, like, it would have topped it, you know, yeah, like yeah. having my mom there. And it was, you know, I was just worried about her health more. So mm-hmm. we just, of course, made her stay home. But, you know, it's just the whole history in that house itself was just remarkable. You know, how they preserved it, how everything in there still stayed the same, the same mm-hmm. kitchen. It's like so small. Super small. <laughs> so small. Tiniest prayer like, ever. <laughs> I was like, I looked at myself, I'm like, 
if my husband was supposed to be here, I think he would hit his head. Oh yeah. Trying to, <laughs> trying to maneuver through everything. And especially like, you know, everything's like nook and cranny type yes. stuff. You probably literally had to be a tiny five foot woman to be able to maneuver through all this. Cause yeah. there was no, I'm, I'm like five, six. And I even had a hard time trying to like go to the side. <laughs> yeah. But crazy. walking into there, it just felt so much history, you know, like, yeah. wow, kind of thing. And then on top of it, I finished their um, women's program. So it was like, you know, the more that I saw, it was like, wow, they're really for women chefs. Like, it's not all about the male figure at this point. It's like, I kind of want to be like, okay, it's like girl power kind of thing when I oh, walk totally. through the door. Yeah. So it felt nice, you know? The foundation goes out of their way to do women's programs. The one that you were involved with, the women's entrepreneurial program. I mean, that's helped so many people figure out how to further their business. What did you get out of it? For me, it was uh, more of like learning from other women in in the field. So it was like, you know, besides the networking that was remarkable, I also was able to focus on, you know, like I don't know everything. You know, I finished... I didn't even finish college. I took off because um, when restaurant one went down in 2017, I left California, came back to make sure and handle everything else here. So it's like, you know, schools can only teach you so much. They don't tell you the in-depth of what fails and what works. You know, they just give you the pretty picture of like, this is how a business should be. But everyone who follows that to the T, it's just, it's not the same recipe, you know? Right, Right. for sure. so you know, learning from other people, seeing what their mistakes were, seeing how, you know, like marketing, Lotus of Sand has been around for 20 years, you know, for, for when we took over. So in order to see like, okay, hey, we might need to do some marketing. Like what's the right way? What's the way that we do it where it's wholesome and not just like, okay, hey, we're the best. Like I don't even tell people like we're the best, you know, I don't even go and tell people like we won these awards. It's like, you know, I always, my dad always said, you know, you put your money where your mouth is and I want to show you the proof. How does it feel like to be representing Las Vegas, um, you know, and being like, just like a badass woman and entrepreneur, like in the food community, especially. Yeah. You guys Um, are three three. powerful women in Las Vegas. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) In the restaurant, you, know I mean? you are kind of like a big honor for me. I, how I felt was like, okay, James Beard recognizes that women, especially this small business that a woman started, immigrant woman started, who doesn't even speak English, and then has two daughters to be able, and then they recognize that. I mean, it's very, it was very accomplishing. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like I can't just stop at that point because, you know, there's always going to be we're always going to be shadowed no matter what, you know, like up until now you can hear more about what a man has done versus what this small little restaurant has done for the community itself with three women, you know, like not that many people even knew that Lotus supplied school, like backpacks and stuff like that for an actual elementary school, just full school. Not just like, okay, one or two students. We were, uh, Whitney Elementary, we've been doing it for eight years, you know, mm-hmm. and we worked very closely with the principal. We, you know, every Thanksgiving, whatever holiday we can, we did like homeless 
like shelter runs, we supplied, you know, shade tree with women's products, you know, and even homeless people on the side, we make sure that, okay, right when winter's around the corner, we have blankets, mittens and whatever we can find and keep them warm because, you know, especially during these times, you know, people are down on their luck. We, as whatever we can do to help, we can do, we try to, you know, and versus, you know, where a man will just get recognition just for being a man opening up a restaurant. (laughs) I mean, to to piggyback off what my sister said, actually, uh, I mean, our parents, before we even started doing the whole backpack runs and homeless shelter runs, we also, my parents, what they used to do was actually donate to St. Jude's and obviously, you know, children's cancer research, that was the biggest thing for them because they felt that, you know, they have two children, they know how it would feel if they would lose one of us to cancer. So Mm -hmm. they didn't want any other parent to feel that way. And then they were also big supporters of um, Leukemia Foundation. So that was another one. Yeah. And that is how you take care of the community. And this is why, like, you guys are, like, making history. And, you know, I would give you, like, air high fives right now. (laughs) Everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. On behalf of, like, the Las Vegas food community. Yeah, we definitely see you. We appreciate you. Yeah. In every way. My heart. Um, We are going to move on to show and tell. So what do you guys have for us? What are you showing to the class today, Penny and or Sabrina? So for me, you know, it's not an equipment. It's not a tool, but it's a necessity for me, which is fish sauce. (laughs) (laughs) I love fish sauce. I have to have fish sauce. You know, people are like, okay, it's salt. Like, I need salt. I need pepper. I'm like, no. For me, it has to be fish sauce because, you know, we literally use it in everything in Thai food from, Mm -hmm. like, our soups, our stir fries, our curry, our... Salad. Salads. (laughs) Salads. Everything. And people are like, oh, you know, but, you know, for me, fish sauce is my go-to. I always need that in the kitchen. If I don't have it... We have a problem. Hi, baby. That's our first baby on the podcast. I know, right? First ever. <laughs> Hi, who are we meeting? This is Ren. Ren? She's uh, two weeks old. <gasps> so cute. Oh, my God. Look at me. I'm just like, oh. how do you say beautiful in Thai? Nalak. Nalak. It's either Nalak or Soi. Nalak. Soi. Oh, so cute. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Sabrina, I don't think you can beat that. Do you have something for show and tell? I'll have to go get the dogs and have them sit on my lap. That's the only thing I can do. <laughs> right, I know, man. <laughs> so what do you have, hon? <laughs> uh, so I actually have my mom's uh, lovely motor. So uh, motor and pestle. Ah. I actually don't oh. have a pestle because we use a wooden pestle at the house. And okay. this is actually my mom's. It's uh, aluminum. And Whoa. this is one of two that she brought back from Thailand back like 20, 30 years ago, roughly. Oh, nice. And I mean, we use this for sauces. We use this to make papaya salad. (laughs) My mom uh, first taught me how to make food with it. Technically, not really. She would just tell me to sit there with chili and just completely pound the crap out of whatever was in here. (laughs) Right? Right? The oil. I mean, this this is kind of a staple with Penny's fish sauce because you know you got the fish sauce when you make papaya salad yes you need this to make it or you know if you um are bad like some people back in the day it also works really well for disciplining how 
How is uh, yeah. that? So, you know, pro- propelling. Just, just hold right here and just oh, tuck it. Oh, that's heavy. Let me tell you, that thing can fly. Yeah. Whoa. It's, it's, Whoa. it's light you know enough. What? It's light <laughs> enough and it's like heavy enough to where you could leave a dent on the wall. Oh. Yeah. Or, you know, on our dad. <laughs> wow. You know, Asian parents. Asian parents, you know, we got that discipline. <laughs> yeah. Asians. Wow. In Latin you know cultures, what? they throw a, a slipper at you. Oh, that's uh, that's <laughs> Filipino know, culture too. Yeah. My parents, it's whatever is around that's yeah. closest to the hand. <laughs> that's how right. And you grew up to yeah. be very polite human beings, so that's exactly. <laughs> we all turned out really well. <laughs> that's what counts. Do on the fly with Sabrina, which is sixty seconds rapid fire questions. You ready for this? First thing that comes to your mind, Sabrina, your quarantine comfort food. Ramen with egg. <laughs> Cat or dog person? Dog. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? To lose weight while eating. <laughs> oh, oh my God, that's awesome. We've never heard that one. Um, best binge-worthy show? Oh, Food War Shokogeki. What the hell is that? You're going to have to tell us about that. <laughs> so yeah. I actually watch a lot of anime, so that oh, is the okay. reason why. Yeah. Okay. Dream place to travel and eat. Japan, Kyoto, especially. Childhood food craving. Oh, mac and cheese. Best self-care move. Uh, facial mask with a sponge and Epsom, Epsom salt bath. Nice. Do you cur- use a Korean snail stuff? No, but I do use the Korean face wash. Awesome. <laughs> Most inspiring kitchen music. Oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> How about outside of Thai food? What's your favorite cuisine? Uh, most likely be Japanese or Korean. All right, Penny, let's go. Let's do this. Let's, let's answer okay. more questions. On right, the fly three. with Penny Chutama. Ready, go. Your favorite snack? Mm, potato chips. Best cooking advice? Don't put ice or water in the fryer. <laughs> your go-to Vegas restaurant besides Lotus? Oh, Kame. Dream place to travel and eat. Japan. What did you want to be in kindergarten? I wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> Most used emoji. The red face with the curse word block. Oh, dang. <laughs> dang. <laughs> Are you a cat or a dog person? Dog. Favorite sauce or condiment? Sriracha. Best movie? Ooh. It. What? It. 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 All right, you, you caught us off a guard there. Let's go ahead and sell it as our last thing for Lotus Asylum. Not that you really need to sell it, but okay. go ahead. What you got going on? What's happening? What do you want people to know? Lotus of Siam takes safety and the health of our employees and guests very seriously. Besides offering Northern Thai food, we also offer the peace of mind when you come to the restaurant. You guys are so freaking awesome. We super see you. We appreciate you so much. We love what you do for the community and we are totally obsessed with the food. So thank you so much for bringing it to Las Vegas and keeping it here. And we know that you guys are going to continue that legacy and make your mom proud. 
So thank you. Thank thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. We love subscribers almost as much as we love food. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review. And check out Two Sharp Chefs. That's with a number two on Instagram and Facebook, as well as our WordPress blog. Email us with any questions and ideas at twosharpchefs at gmail.com. And Louie, we stream new episodes every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. It's been a pleasure. We're 86th. Till next week.